We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. To the Batmoles. May the force be with you. Who is that masked man? Avengers, assemble. Welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. And I appreciate your having tuned in this afternoon. First, some genre-related news before we begin today's discussion. Amazon Prime has dropped a new trailer for Season 4 of The Expanse. Of course, the show has been on Sci-Fi for the past three years. Sci-Fi canceled the show in May of 2018. The show hung in limbo until rescued by Amazon, which has also renewed it for a fifth season. The Expanse has received critical acclaim for its visuals, character development, and political narrative. And it won the Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation and been nominated three times for the Saturn Award for Best Science Fiction Television Series. Season 4 episodes premiere on December 13th. Another trailer this week was for Netflix's Lost in Space, starring Molly Parker and Toby Stevens. All episodes will be available on December 24th. You can check out this trailer, as well as the one for The Expanse, on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Fantastic Forum. And while you're there, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. The Lancet Medical Journal last week included a report from French neurologists who have had some success in testing neuroprosthetics being developed to manage traumatic spinal cord injuries that result in paralysis. The researchers are working on a semi-invasive technique that uses brain signals to drive an exoskeleton. Implants are surgically placed on the surface of the brain that control movement and 64 electrodes from each implant read the brain activity. The movement instructions are sent to a nearby computer, which reads the brain waves and turns them into instructions for the exoskeleton. Test patients were able to move their limbs using the exoskeleton. The French scientists say they want to continue to refine the technology. They're currently limited by the amount of data they can read from the brain and send to the computer and then back to the exoskeleton in real time. While the results of these tests are promising, the technology is still in development, and cost constraints mean that high-tech options are never going to be available to most people in the world with spinal cord injury. Todd Phillips' Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix, was the number one movie last week, earning over $96 million in its first weekend of release. The controversial film is poised to repeat at number one this week, although it has some competition from the animated Adams Family and Ang Lee's Gemini Man. Critics and fans are divided on the film, with some calling it brilliant and others dangerous. Seems as if the movie-going audience is deciding with their wallets. We'll see how that one does this weekend. Some sad news yesterday, as it was reported that cosmonaut Alexei Leonov died. Leonov was the first human to conduct a spacewalk on March 18, 1965. He was also the commander of the Soyuz spacecraft that docked with the NASA Apollo capsule in July 1975 as a symbol of the policy of detente that the two superpowers were pursuing at the time. Leonov was 85. And although Joker is expected to repeat at number one at the box office, there are a couple of other genre movie openings, notably Adam's Family and Ang Lee's Gemini Man, starring Will Smith. I caught Gemini Man in an advanced screening earlier this week, and here is the official Fantastic Forum review. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. Gemini Man, the new movie from director Ang Lee, starring Will Smith, is a special effects masterpiece. 
and those effects drive the film. Smith plays a character his age and also doubles as a character who is 30 years younger. This was achieved through a remarkable technical process that has been taken to new heights. And these revolutionary visual effects are the true star of Gemini Man. Smith plays Henry Brogan, an assassin who has been at the top of his profession for decades. Brogan is the guy the federal government calls when they need a long-range shot through a passenger compartment window to take out a target traveling 150 miles per hour on a bullet train with zero collateral damage. Oh, and by the way, that is actually something that happens in this movie. But Brogan has been at it for 30 years, and his skills are beginning to decline. After some soul-searching, he decides to retire. As you might imagine, there is some institutional resistance to such an individual deciding to walk away. Brogan has too much information on previous operations and, despite the erosion of skills, remains the government's most capable agent by a wide margin. However, in planning for the future, rogue operative Clay Varys, sinisterly played by Clive Owen, has hatched a plan. Using available biotechnology, he can recreate the best operative of all time at the peak of his physicality. The cloned Brogan, known as Junior, gets the chance to go into the field when the real Brogan discovers a plot by Varys in which he has unwittingly become an accomplice. Brogan and his friends in the agency have become loose ends that need to be tied off to hide Varys' crimes. And so, Brogan and his younger clone are set on a collision course that could potentially destroy them both. There really isn't a lot to this movie. As I said, the visual effects are the real star. Because you believe that young Will Smith is trying to kill mature Will Smith. Those in the audience who remember the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air are watching in awe as we see that young man again. And the Fresh Prince is trying to kill that guy from I Am Legend. But beyond that, there's the psychological impact of coming face to face with one's younger self. And of having that younger self trying his best to shoot, stab, drown, run over, or blow you up. The screenplay by David Benioff, Darren Lemke, and Brian Ray explores this, but not to any substantial degree. And too much of the story is espionage cliché. The writers do a workmanlike job, but audiences have seen it all before. Ang Lee is completely in his element with the trademark CGI action in service of psychological intimate drama. While Smith is the driving force, Gemini Man features a number of other good performers. In addition to the previously mentioned Clive Owen, there is Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Benedict Wong, Douglas Hodge, Ralph Brown, and Linda Emond. Co-star Winstead stands out as an agent assigned to surveil Will Smith, who he then has to save as she has become a loose end. Clive Owen is also good as the villain of the story. Gemini Man is rated PG-13 for action, drama, sci-fi. There's a little profanity, but no nudity, and a surprising lack of graphic violence for a movie of this type. The rating is right on target for the appropriate minimum age. All in all, an exciting, effects-driven thrill ride with some decent psychological elements, however short on substance. Where it could have taken chances, the writers opted to play it safe. Ultimately, it adheres too closely to established action spy formulas and comes off as unoriginal. You can wait for the digital release of this one. Two and a half stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. All right, so the official FF review of Gemini Man, which is in theaters today. Uh, you don't have to rush out to see this one, I'm afraid. <laughs> All right. Well, look, uh, I am going to bring on my wonderful guests for today's show. Uh, I am joined in studio by the redoubtable Roberto Ortiz. Hi. And, uh, of course, we also have, uh, as always, the very stalwart drew bittner and uh, via the miracle of technology we are joined by the great geek refuge's mike lunsford mike you there yeah okay there we go all right so um oh and uh, roberto had pointed out to me that uh, one death because i mentioned uh cosmonaut uh, alexi leonoff mm -hmm. but i did not mention robert forster and thank you roberto for having mentioned mr forster because i had forgotten that uh, he was in the black hole. He was the uh, the star of, well, he was the captain of the ship. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Palomino, yes, it was. I believe it was. And also, 
Um, he was in Heroes. I had forgotten. He was Arthur Petrelli, who was the yep. father of yeah. Peter Petrelli and uh, Nathan Petrelli. Thank Twin you very Peaks. much. Don't mm-hmm. forget that. Uh, he was yeah. also in Twin Peaks. He was Twin Peaks. He did yeah. some, some genre stuff. Yeah, he he basically he he, he earned his yeah, stripes. It was, it was the it was the new Twin Peaks though yeah. that he was on, not the original. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. that thing they made in Showtime that nobody talks about. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. You know. Well, so what can you do? <laughs> hey, they need a paycheck. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No yeah. job. Yeah. Duh, you know, so it seems. Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, Robert Forster, uh, dead at, uh, how old was he? 78, I think. 78? Only 78? Yeah. Yeah. I think he was like 70, 78, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. He lived a good life, I mean. uh, Oh, yeah. He worked until the the end. I mean, he actually did the Breaking Bad role that people remember him for, too, so that's kind of cool. He was also in Jackie Brown. Yes, he was. um, I think he was in Emergency, the TV show in the 70s. Really? Wow, I think so. Yeah, I think we had a doctor in that. I mean, so his role in Jackie Brown pretty much resurged his career, though, because before yeah. that it was kind of on the downswing. He got an Academy Award nomination for it. Yeah, he was good. So that's kind of cool. I mean, if you stop to think about, it, for you to be able to not only have a second win on your career, but enjoy it for a while and be able to at least do all these genre roles and Breaking Bad is actually it's not slacker. That's kind of cool. So it's good. I mean, he had a good career. Good for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. All right. Well, look, um, uh, before we uh, get into anything else, because it it, actually it it was only Mike who got a chance to um, to be on the show uh, last week. And uh, we were talking about Joker. Oh, my God. I know. Yeah. Well, but hey, but I know that um, there are a a lot of real interesting ideas that uh, Roberto has about Joker. And I was so sorry that uh, Shireen wasn't uh, on the show with us today because oh my God, thank you god almighty <laughs> well no no uh, she said that she had already had the opportunity to talk to you about that yep. and to set you straight <laughs> on some things <laughs> so <laughs> let's I just mean, have some strong opinions about the movie yeah you do and um you know while some of us I, you know and uh, anybody who tuned in last week uh, heard my review um i i tend to want to separate the more technical aspects of the film, which are fantastic. From the yeah, well, it, it's a very well-made movie, yeah. and uh, you know the the way that Todd Phillips crafts the story is is very, uh, it's great, and uh, the performance by uh, Joaquin Phoenix is uh, exceptional. Uh, my issue is with the content of the film, and uh, during the past week, I've had the opportunity to sort of look at some of the things that have been said about Joker, and. Um, Quite frankly, I I think the movie is dangerous. I think that some of the notions that are espoused in it are extremely negative. I think the portrayal of people of color, particularly women of color, is exceptionally negative. And I don't like the fact that there is a lack of consequence uh, for this lead character who is not simply an anti-hero or morally ambiguous, but out and out evil and it seems as if the producers and the director have made a real serious attempt to justify uh, this guy's behavior and uh, and and who and what he is and uh, so i have a, I, I take exception with all of that now i still gave it a favorable review because i think it's a very well-made film i i think it's far too demanding to uh, because you got to be, and I'm sorry, no offense to any stupid people out there who are going to see this movie, but you've got to be really intelligent to, to watch this movie, and you have to be really objective. And one of the things that has really, and, and quite frankly, how you see this movie, in, in large part, depends on what your overall orientation is and, and how you see the film, how you see the world. Now, for, for example, I've seen a number of people saying, well, all right, so there are a lot of other movies that are way more violent and to glorify violence more. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not, look, 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 I'm not even talking about that. Nobody said anything about Joker glorifying violence. Human trafficking, clean the Mexicans. No please. Yeah, well, you know, and, and, and that's, like I said, quite frankly, that's, that's something of a problem for me, uh, that, 
you know, people don't seem to get it in terms of what's going on with this movie. So um, anyway, but that that Dude, was that. Those were just my comments. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I saw too. Honestly, like we talked about this last night on GGR Pirate Radio, mm-hmm. and the more and more I I I think about this movie and like. Uh, a shout out to he's been on your show before he he works on uh, GGR with us too and that's James Rambo he wrote a fantastic review of it and you guys can check it out on the website I'm not going to plug my stuff right now but like well, that's okay greatgeekrefuge.com it's right there under articles you'll see it right there James Rambo does a fantastic review but this movie is super troublesome and and it's to, to crystallize to my thoughts of this in one thing that's the thing is i understand what you're saying roberto it's supposed I to i haven't be, said a thing <laughs> well no you did say and 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 let me tell you something yeah. but see here's here's the problem roberto the way you feel the movie is supposed to be troublesome is not the way that the producers intend to no. make it troublesome. Exactly. <laughs> it was. It was. Well, wait, it was wait, sloppy. Let Mike finish, and we'll let you get in there. Uh, yeah. I'll I'm give sure. you <laughs> a perfect example of how sloppy this movie is. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you get to the scene, and it's it's the it's probably one of the most infamous scenes in the movie. It when he's dancing down the stairway in full Joker regalia. He's got his purple suit on. He's fully masked in his and his makeup, and he's dancing this this insane jig that he's doing that is very joker it's it, the character is the characterization is is wonderful that is the joker i really feel like they did a great job of, of portraying that but it was irresponsible and it was irresponsible because he's now the hero in a vacuum with no hero and, and yuli this kind of speaks to your review that you did with no hero with no batman to play off he becomes the protagonist whether you want him to be or not he is and the way that they're showing that he's now free and he's now happy as he's dancing down these stairs, as they're playing Gary Glitter's Rock and Roll Part 2. Like, that is not a, a song you play to show that this is a, a psychopath who is deranged, who is probably going to kill somebody very, very soon. This is a heroic thing. They're playing this music like he's getting ready to go play in Game 7 of the World Series and he's psyching himself out. Like, this is... That is not the right tone for this. And I and I worried before I saw this movie that this was going to be tone deaf because Todd Phillips came out and was like, oh, people don't have a sense of humor anymore. They can't take a joke. And everybody, PC culture, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, same nonsense we hear from every idiot out there. And then he goes and he does this movie with these troubling things. And that's what bothered me about it is not that the movie wasn't good because it was beautifully cinematically. It was, it was beautiful cinematically. It, Joaquin Phoenix is incredible. But, like, it was just these little decisions that he made that were just, like, it's like he was just had no idea what's going on in the world. Like, he's never stepped outside. He's never watched the news, like, ever. It was just, that that was almost insulting to a boy. It was almost like a slap in the face. It was like, this guy's your hero? Come on, man. Mm, okay. Now, Roberto. <laughs> what, 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 what? Well, after well, we basically it... set that up, here you go. Yeah, no, look, he's, look, he's, yeah, he, start, he started talking first. I haven't okay. said quite. Okay. I literally have said like two occasions. And I, I, well, jump now, in. Jump in. Jump you're in. listening to Fantastic <laughs> Forum on WERA 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined in studio today by... Roberto Ortiz, Hi. Drew Bittner, hey. and via the miracle of technology, Mike Lunsford of GGR. Oh, oh, oh. So Roberto was getting ready to uh, oh. defend his defense of the Joker, uh, I think. I'll, I'll jump in with a totally uninformed opinion. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I think, like, like, Roberto, you were like, no, hey, I've so, got something to say. All right, hi. well, come on now, man. Bring you're, it. you're right. But the movie basically asks you to... Phil Pitti specifically for this character, but it doesn't basically ask you to accept the behavior of the character. The thesis of the movie specifically is in the scene when he basically is talking to the Robert De Niro. Uh, by the way, can we talk spoilers? There are spoilers of the Joker movie Thank in you. this broadcast. All right, there you spoilers. go. You've been warned. <laughs> You've seen it? No. Blind see it? No. All right. The thesis of the movie basically is made specifically when the character of the Joker basically is talking to Jay Leno in the movie, which yeah. is basically played by Robert De Niro. That's Jay Leno. It's a hybrid of David Letterman back in the 80s and Jay Leno. And the actions of the characters are reprehensible, but the point of the movie specifically is that, yes, he's a monster. Yes, this is 
the creature, but the thing is that we are partly responsible for the creation of the monster. And one of the BS arguments that the right wing likes to use is, oh, mental health this and mental health that. But the problem is basically is that that's true, that we basically, we should care specifically about the mental health of the people, but that doesn't invalidate the what about, this, uh, as you'd like to say, the what aboutism, yeah. that we use that basically not to discuss gun control, which is something we should be discussing. But there's an issue specifically in terms of society on how we treat people who basically happen to be minorities, how we people to, who are uh, have mental health issues, how we treat people who basically are the other. And the point of the movie specifically is that he wasn't an embod he was a boilerplate. This wasn't gonna happen to this character, that he was gonna become a monster. And we're partly responsible. I'm not saying that he's not responsible for his actions, but the problem is that we have this very Puritan mentality here in this country that pulling ourselves out of bootstraps, that we basically say you're completely responsible for your actions, which is true, but society in part is responsible for what's happening specifically to the individual. And that's the argument that I'm saying specifically. And when he's talking to the audience right before that scene with Robert De Niro, he's making a point specifically on how they have absolutely no problem specifically of laughing at a certain person, how I'm bringing somebody who's obviously mentally ill and make fun of him in, in a public setting. And this is something we have seen time and time again. And the casual cruelty we see in the movie, and not only to him, specifically in terms of the sexism, the jokes that basically are told in the comedy places, towards others, the cruelty in general. About the comments about the people of race, uh, I get where you're coming from, but I didn't see it that way. And the character that he had in mind, specifically the the uh, the neighbor he had a crush on, it was basically, for me, an allegory of he trying to cling on to sanity. And that was the last shred of sanity he had before he went away. And to be honest, one thing that the movie did that I liked a lot specifically is how this is a person specifically that's mentally ill and how basically the society that was presented in there was about to crumble. And I understand the argument that you're going to make that how the hell somebody who basically is obviously mentally ill and violent maniac becomes a symbol for a revolution. And I just have to say Che Guevara, who basically has become a symbol for a lot of kids who basically are in college, who basically were a teacher, and he was a freaking monster. And I understand, it's, it's, I can understand why the movie is dividing people because for certain people like me, it's like, I like the fact that you made me think. I like the fact that it's controversial. It's obviously, basically, the, it's in the same vein as Taxi Driver, who basically is the same thing you're saying, that has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. It's very controversial, it's very problematic at the end. And when I saw Taxi Driver and when I saw this movie, I felt the same way. I liked it because it made me think, it made me feel uncomfortable, and I'm still thinking about it, about it. And I understand specifically the argument that you made that it requires certain level of detachment and intelligence to be able to analyze the movie. And it's very difficult to talk about it because it's like touching a third rail with a lot of people. A lot of people got super triggered by this movie. And I get that. And I'm not saying you're wrong because I understand it's your point of view on how you saw the movie. And I'm actually glad the movie was made because it's basically making people talk. And one of the things that we have lost the capability to basically be able to do now is be able to discuss topics like this without saying you're a monster, you're this and that. It's, it's, it's a movie that basically it's not easily discarded. It forces you after you see it to think what you saw. Okay. Mm. All right. I think, I mean, I think those are, those are great points and I don't disagree with you at all. And I, I want to be very, very clear that I wasn't like trying to like attack you or anything No, like no, that no, no. Because I did, I actually like, if somebody asked me, did you like this movie? Yes. Because it, it made you think it wasn't like, you know how some movies, and it's funny actually, cause we can point to like every single movie before this one that Todd Phillips made. Yeah. Um, I know as ones that are just background noise. Like you just don't pay attention. So this one actually made you pay attention. It just, I, I feel that it, there was a lot of problems with it and it was very, very tone deaf. And it, it is, it, it's opening up a, a, a massive conversation across the board for everybody. But it's, it's more like, was, was this the right choice? Was this responsibly made is, is my biggest Actually, take with this. Actually, and mm -hmm. I just where you're well, coming from. Well, well, wait a minute, because uh, I think Drew had yes, something he wanted course, to yes, add sorry. there. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, there's a couple things, and, and this is 
with the caveat that I've not seen the movie. I've only been with paying attention to the conversation around it, including this one. And I think that there's a couple of things that stand out for me. One is that the there's an inherent amount of baggage that goes with making a movie about a character called the Joker. Yeah. And it's not quite the same as making a movie about a Travis Bickle or somebody like that. There's there's very definitely an expectation of who this guy is and where he's going to end up and the circumstances around that. So so walking into a movie called Joker, there's there's an awful lot going on in terms of what you expect from that movie. <clears throat> the second thing is I think there's a great conversation to be had around the issue of collective responsibility of society toward individuals, especially individuals who are in a fragile state, versus individual responsibility. But I don't know that this movie makes that argument effectively. It seems like the deck is stacked so that this guy is going to become the Joker. They just keep piling on and piling on and piling on until there's really nothing else that's going to happen except he snaps and becomes this, you know, epitome of all these societal ills that he's been subjected to and degraded by and has assimilated and essentially becomes the symbol of. Yes, but one thing the movie liked that, and I really liked this, is what they did to Thomas Wayne. Oh my God, I really, really, really like well, that. They make, he, they make him the, the, the symbol of the 1%, I understand. Yeah, so. they really oh, yeah. do. And, uh, yeah, you know, in, in, I really, really, I love the idea that basically and, the and image of Bruce Wayne has of his parents is an idealized and one. And it's great to have, it's great to have an, an abject symbol of this despicable, you know, embodiment of all these things. But then again, that's also pretty, pretty easy. That's a very but simple. It's a very it's, simple it, thing. Well, yes. Roberto, I I, 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 got, I got a couple of questions for you. Sure. All right, so um, because, and and I'll tell you right now, you are one of the people who can go see this movie because you're intelligent. And but I, yeah. I listen to but I but I but <laughs> Thank I thank you. Yeah, no, but, <laughs> I hope but, so. Yeah, but well, listening to some of your comments, right. yeah. No, but listening to some of your comments, I I think that. I think you saw some stuff in this movie that wasn't really there. I mean, particularly in terms of what the filmmakers were trying to do. Now, one of the things that you mentioned was uh, how apparently you felt that they attempted to make you feel pity for the character, but not accept his behavior. Now, I don't, I don't see how you can possibly feel pity for this character. Uh, the actions in the film, the things that have been presented causing the audience to feel a degree of sympathy for the character without that justifying their behavior. First, I mean, you know, because, all right, it, the, firstly, you got the, um, he, he gets his butt kicked by the young people of color at the beginning of the movie, um, then, and, and it totally unjustified, he didn't even look cross-eyed at them. You know, same deal with those, uh, you know, yuppie stockbroker guys on the train. In fact, the filmmakers went out of their way to make them especially heinous. They're accosting the young woman on the train, and then she gets up and leaves, and then, you know, they're like, oh, what are you laughing at, guy? And, you know, proceed to begin to accost him. You know, how do you not accept this person's behavior, particularly in the culture that we have that is all about uh, vengeance and retribution. You know, we, we love a movie where, and that's the way a lot of these movies are set up with the heroic characters because the bad guy does something. He does something bad. And then the hero is forced to retaliate. And we're in the theater saying, yay, get him, you know? And how, how do you not say that in the face of this stuff that they have happening to the Joker. The, f the first two people he killed, specifically when he got beat up by the, the two job by the Joppies, that was considered by law justifiable homicide because he actually feared That's fear my like, point. But, but, <laughs> That's but, exactly but, my point. But, but <laughs> the third one, the guy who basically he shot on the back and he was basically limping and he stalked him and chewed him, that was completely unnecessary. That would be considered manslaughter or murder, depending on the Oh, the yeah, person but how many people were sitting in the theater like, don't let him get but away, go point, after him! The point is he makes in the movie later is basically is that he realized he didn't feel anything specifically about doing that to him. 
Yeah, but I'm talking about the audience and how the filmmakers have manipulated. The, I mean, the audience wasn't standing up and, you know, like uh, d- d- being disgusted. Like, oh, my God, that was totally unnecessary. It, no, the sounds, audience was like, yeah, get him, too. It, He's it getting sounds, away. No, it, it sounds like, In fact, it there's sounds a lot like, of stories out there of people being kicked out of movie theaters because people were standing and cheering when the Joker did that. It, like it people sounds, were like people were getting kicked out of the uh, the theaters because they were like, no, you need to go. It sounds yeah. like the filmmakers yeah, right. are very consciously using the tropes of a heroic journey to deliver us a villain. Yep. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a you that's know? a wonderful point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very much. But the cool thing about it. So how do you defend that? I can't, I'm not going to say I'm going to defend it. I'd say I understand it. It's a big difference. It doesn't mean that I think that the person the I. Favor specifically how it was presented, but I actually understand why it was presented. Okay. Does that make sense? Wait, wait. Hold, hold that thought. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But hold that <laughs> thought. <laughs> wow. <I know> because, that. <laughs> yeah, that musical ah. cue means that it's time for us to take a short break because, of course, WERA uh, is, well, Fantastic Forum, rather, comes to you via WERA. And WERA is a community radio station. What that means is that we are non-commercial. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, our sponsors, and listeners like you for the totality of the operation of the radio station. We'd very much like to have you consider becoming an underwriter of the content of the station or even a sponsor of one or more of the individual programs found here on. And in fact, we're in the midst of our fall fun drive even now. Goes through tomorrow. Visit arlingtonmedia.org and show your support and donate today and tell a friend because you want to protect the valuable resource of community radio in your neighborhood. Where else could you hear such wonderful discussions as this? So look, we're going to step aside while we hear from uh, some of our underwriters and uh, we're also going to uh, promote some of the other shows that are coming up later this evening here on WERA, but you stick around because we're not done with Fantastic Forum. Oh, no, no, my friend. We've got a lot more coming to you right after this. And we're back here on the Fantastic Forum on WERA. 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington. We are Arlington. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined this afternoon in studio by Roberto Ortiz and Drew Bittner. And via the miracle of technology, uh, Mike Lunsford of the Great Geek Refuge. We are somewhat shockingly talking about uh, the Joker. At least that's what we've been talking about. Hadn't been my intention to get off on this tangent because, well, quite frankly, we beat this dead horse last week. I know you understand why. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, one of the things that you were saying, Roberto, is that it's uh, the movie is making people talk. And, uh, yeah, but I just don't think it's necessarily the the right conversation that that is being had. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. I... Part of the problem specifically in this post-truth America is that we on purpose have made certain topics and conversation toxic. So okay, wait, wait, wait. When you say we've made certain topics and conversations toxic, okay, if I want to toxic, basically talk about what the fact, do you mean by um, that? If we want to talk specifically about the responsibility of media, some people basically immediately throw toxic words that make it impossible to continue the conversation fake news, blah, blah, bias, and things like that. And it makes it really hard to basically have a deep conversation about a topic like that. Because there's landmines that have been settled by language, or we'll talk about this very well. Specifically, that if you want to control the conversation, you control language. And mental health is one of those landmines, specifically the politicians have been experts at basically throwing that as something that it's very difficult to talk to because it automatically becomes politicized. If I make an argument specifically that we have a responsibility in society to people with mental health, ah, well, then all of a sudden you start saying, uh, you don't want to talk about gun control. No, 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 no. I believe in that, but there's this other aspect that needs to be discussed. The movie, what it's doing specifically, is uh, it's talking about a topic that is very controversial, and specifically it's about the descent to madness of this person and how literally society 
gave him a, a welcome push. I'm not saying he's not responsible, but again, I'm saying that going back to the Puritan mentality, coming from somebody who comes from the outside of this culture, in one problem this culture has, oh my God, you have it, is that there's this pulling by your bootstrap mentality that basically you're on your own in the society. God help you, you have a problem. Yeah, and you said that before. And, and I believe uh, this it is, strongly. Yeah, but this is one of the things that this this movie uh, actually is is saying really loud. I mean, they basically lay out that, oh, hey, you know, I mean, you, you are on your own. I mean, even though this guy is getting uh, counseling, you know, his counselors don't care. I mean, they're basically barely listening to him. And then whatever program it is that is enabling him to get these meds because he is demonstrated to be on meds, oh, that's getting canceled, you know? So I, I, I don't think... It, my issue is I don't think that the movie is so much talking about this stuff as it's presenting all of these elements in a way that is designed to manipulate the audience into feeling a certain way and about thinking a certain way about this. Way. Yeah, but you're supposed to be responsible about it, you know. And and that's why I say that the filmmakers have been totally irresponsible because they they've made this the one of the most heinous villains. In comic books, in in storytelling, they've turned him into this sympathetic, heroic character. I hate to use what what aboutism, but I have to. What's the difference between this and the latest Rambo movie? Where basically he literally goes to Mexico to kill Mexicans because they're doing human trafficking. I mean, come on. Well. Because uh, Rambo is supposedly one of the good guys. He served why? in uniform because he served. I'm getting. I'm getting to that. Hmm? He served in <laughs> uniform uh, honorably. He is a Congressional Medal of Honor winner. Um, he is presented in. But it, 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 I'll grant you that uh, a lot of it is uh, how you look at it. But certainly, I think that. And I'm not saying that Rambo is a hero, okay? I'm just saying that the way that the character is presented is more in line with the so-called traditional uh, heroic character. And, uh, you know, pr particularly the fact that you look back at the other movies that this guy has been in, but they've used the same sorts of tropes to... To, to bring this guy along. I mean, I think of First Blood, because here's this poor guy, and okay, he's, you know, a homeless drifter or whatever, and uh, you got Brian Dennehy, who locks him up. Yeah, I'm basically going to take you to the edge of town because I don't want you in my town. And then when Rambo starts coming back, he's like, well, now I'm going to take you to jail. And you've got the malevolent sheriff, uh, a deputy, who starts beating on him and, you know, gonna basically preparing to torture him. He has a flashback to being held by the VC, and all of a sudden he's breaking out. And you know, mind so you, I have the movie on Blu-ray at home. I I've, love that movie. I've, that not, I've got so. a bit surprised. But my point is, is that through this whole, I mean, this is what, the fifth Rambo movie? You know, I mean, and so his character is very well established. Now his, and then also, my, I haven't seen Rambo 5 or the John Rambo, whatever this movie is called, but I understand that the Mexican cartel takes his niece and they trick her out and hook uh. her on drugs and, you know, so all of that. So, and all of that is the so-called justification for what Rambo does. And it's why he is a good guy. So, but again, the problem is in terms of what the filmmakers, Todd Phillips in particular, is showing you, there's no way to distinguish that the Joker is a bad guy because, wow, he's just, he, he's, he's reacting to the circumstances, you know, and he's not getting any support. And as Heath Ledger says, he just does things. Yeah. Now, now the <laughs> other thing. Well, he doesn't just do things. He is. Uh, and he is moved to do certain things. Now, the other thing is, and and I I, I just have to mention this because you you described uh, his his relationship with or his feelings about Zazie Beats as a crush. Um, this was no crush. This dude was stalking her, yes. and and I don't I'll, want to. I, I, I don't want to let me correct that. I agree with you on that one. <laughs> okay, Sorry. yeah, because I, I don't agree with that. Yes. And let me tell you something. And, and uh, Shireen and uh, Julian Lytle disagreed with me. I agree with I them. I, uh, I don't think anything good happened to her. <laughs> no. Okay, he shows up in her apartment. She's terrified. And then we don't see her anymore. And I'm like, oh, I'm quite sure she was raped and killed oh and probably God, her no. daughter too. Now, maybe that part of the movie ended up on the cutting room floor, but 
I, I think it would have been important had she survived and had she been uninjured or unmolested that they show that and they didn't and so it seems to me by the absence of that it just screamed oh my goodness he did something horrible because we don't see her anymore the whole movie I mean at least let her show up again so oh okay she's all right you know I mean a la even um, Superman 2 where you see the polar police taking the Kryptonian villains into Actually, custody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yili, I have a question for you and for yes. Mike. Mm-hmm. How would you feel about a movie about Lex Luthor? <laughs> so seriously, I don't want to nope. see a movie about villains. Well, excuse okay. me, let me take that back. Let me take that back. Because the first, and I've been talking up Scarface uh, as, as an example. But now that's a movie, okay, because of course Tony Montana... A political prisoner from Cuba. Yeah. Uh, T- Tony Montana is—he's a bad guy, and he is depicted as being a bad guy. And the consequences are appropriate. He gets what's coming to him in the end. Now, you give me a more traditional film where uh, the, the the where the villain is the protagonist, and he is clearly a villain, and he gets what's coming to him. Fine, I have no problem with that. Again, my issue with the Joker was the setup was not the traditional protagonist who is a villain setup. They presented him like he was a hero, a folk hero, Lee, you know, the 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 face of this movement against Gotham's one percenters, and he had been driven to this. Because there's no reason to believe that if he had not if, if he had continued getting his meds and going to treatment and if the people hadn't been mean to him you know the kids of color who were beating on him <laughs> and the yuppie stockbrokers who tried to hurt him you know there's no reason to believe that he wouldn't have continued on in his mediocre life taking care of his mother and uh, you know Chering has a good point specifically mm-hmm. that also remember that this is told from his point of view so we don't know it's she called him what the Kaiser, Kaiser Sosa specifically uh, I, yeah she she used the Kaiser Sosa term yes. and yeah. yeah but but it isn't just from his point of view I mean it, we're seeing a lot of things but it's all presented as if the audience is an onlooker you know now uh, again the whole point of view thing we get it when you find out that oh wait Zazzy Beats wasn't really into him, you know? Oh, he imagined all of that? Yeah, you know. And they have to kind of go back and, you know, they show you, oh, yeah, yeah, no, she wasn't ever actually there, and he was imagining all of that, you know? So, um, but outside of that, it wasn't, you know, and even that being a cinematic technique, because we think it's expository, and it turns out that, oh, this is all third person, you know? Mike? What bothered me, real quick, and then I'll, I'll definitely answer your question for sure, um, Roberto is they, they basically portrayed that he to use again to use Rambo's review the, his phraseology Arthur Fleck is the all crazy like he, he's representative of all people with mental illness mm. and if they don't have their meds and they don't get the treatment they're gonna kill people they're gonna hurt people when in fact in reality it's the other way around mostly people who are mentally ill who don't have their meds get hurt or they get killed because of that and it just it sets a bad precedent and, and the problem with it is, and, and Yuli, I think you said this in your review, without having the heroes to temper these characters, you're looking at these villains in a vacuum. And with the Joker, you need you need Batman to balance him because Batman is a... The Joker is the mirror of Batman. You know, like yes. all of this trauma yes. happened to him and it, it's, you know, go by the grace of God. Like if it was not for one thing or like Batman could be just like him. And it's the same thing with Lex Luthor and Superman. Lex Luthor, could you make a movie about it? Yeah, but why do that? He's already in office as our president right now. That's the Lex Luthor. <laughs> <laughs> watching it right no, now. No, no, no. This, this guy no, isn't like, nearly no, as smart no, 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 no. We have the Bottom Heart Conning as president, not Lex Luthor. We, we, we have... Oh, oh, a bi- oh, a con man businessman is, in, is a pol- no, Lex Luthor, no, Lex Luthor. No, no, uh, Luther, no, no. Luthor would be ten times worse than this. God, yeah, Luthor would know what he's doing. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're listening you to Fantastic Four no. on WERA 96.7 FM. Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today in studio by Roberto Ortiz, Drew Bittner, and via the miracle of technology, Mike Lunsford of the Great Geek Refuge. Sweet. We are we are apparently talking about the Joker. <laughs> Sweet look, who yeah, totally can we compare him with? Yeah. Uh, actually, that's it's not Luther. No, no, no. Who who do you think we can compare the Conan guy with in comic books? 
Seriously, because it's not Elmer lucky. <laughs> Who? Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd. Yeah, an evil version of Elmer Fudd. How about that? Yosemite <laughs> Sam. <laughs> yes, if you combine Yosemite Sam with Elmer Fudd <laughs> and, and, and the common sense of the coyote. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Mm. Because Luther is a character that basically, come on, he he sees Luther, all the Luther's angles. Competent. Yes, he's competent. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. competent. I mean, Luthor is in control. He's a yeah. master manipulator who is pulling the strings behind the scene on any number of things. You know, very long range, planny kind of guy. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Luthor. Yeah. I mean, in fact, a movie about. Luthor. But see, this is the thing. I can't understand why we would want to make a movie about villains anyway. And the previous movies about villains and um, Elektra and Venom and uh, Catwoman come to mind. Okay, well, but, awful. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, and that's why I, was, I haven't actually seen the thing. But, you know, Halle Berry, what the hell. But even though she isn't Selena <laughs> Kyle. But, he, but here's the point. Um, at least in the case of Elektra and um, Catwoman, these are more morally ambiguous sort of characters. And I yeah. grant you, Elektra started out a certain way, straight up assassin, but then there was a certain degree of redemption for her, yeah. particularly after she died and came back. Venom is the most evil of those characters, and the way that he was presented in that film was a bit more morally ambiguous. Yeah, you know? I mean, in, in Venom, they jumped from. He is a an antagonist for Spider-Man, hates Spider-Man, mm -hmm. to this whole lethal protector thing. Yeah, exactly. So, and but this is something completely different. Yes, and, it is. And it's gonna. It's already made a bunch of money. It's gonna make a lot more. And of course, and this is the problem because, of course, Hollywood being the imitative uh, environment that it is now, I'm just oh wow, okay, yeah, who's next? Luthor, Luthor, you know, who, I mean, geez, who, whatever, maybe I, I'm Doctor Doom. Actually, a Doctor Doom movie would kind of be interesting. <laughs> Black Adam is already on schedule. Yes, um, um, the rumor going around is that they're thinking uh, the original casting the one for Luthor, which is uh, Mr. Breaking Bad. Oh, Brian um, Cranston. Yeah, yeah, Brian Cranston would be great yeah. as Luthor. <laughs> He would, he, yeah. yeah. But I, I think John Carter was great. I think you need Supergirl. the hero to balance them out. Yeah, I, you, actually, I, you can tell a good story. And but actually, is it the, the, right story? the irony. Actually, Brian Cranston would be great as Mr. Fantastic too, though. Really? Oh yeah, he'd make a great Reed Richards. What? Brian Cranston? Heck yeah! Can you see that? Yeah, he's what? a great actor. He's a great Shoot, actor. Shoot, yeah. It's no. like, in fact, I could see him uh, opposite. Um, what's her face? The blonde who was. Um, uh, uh, the White Queen in those X Men movies. Oh, and January from, Jones. Yes, January Jones from uh, Mad Men. She had her as, uh, as I Sue. I don't think January Jones has the acting chops to pull it off. No, yeah, no. I don't think she has the acting chops to order a pizza. <clears throat> no, <laughs> okay. No. I mean, Jones. Jones is good. She has she has her moments. She has her thing, but she's not Sue Richards. Oh, I would love no. to see a pizza. No. I think I well, okay, maybe we test her for Charlie the part. Stern. Charlie Stern. Yes. She would be great. Charlie Theron. You know, I could see but the, Charlie No, no, Theron. but the problem with Charlie Theron is basically she will overpower whatever. She cannot be part of the team uh, because people will be paying attention to her. No, she can She can hold her own in an, in an ensemble. She's really? Done before. She's done before. Yeah. You know, and if Jessica Alba didn't overpower. Uh, come the rest on. Of those Jessica, guys, I, oh, Jessica Alba's fine, man. Yes, she's fine. Jessica Alba is bad. They just didn't give her a lot to do, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was always my problem with Dark Angel, because I remember I was watching a yeah. promo for Dark Angel that came up uh, during some NFL game, and, uh, you know, they're showing her throwing these kicks and whatever, and, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't want to see her fight anybody, I want to sleep with her. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, and see, this is what happens so when we don't have a woman on the show. No, this is what happens, you know, it's like, and I, I, I knew it's always dangerous, but, you know, because you, you don't want to say stuff like that. Welcome if like Emily or Shireen yeah. or somebody is sitting We're here, pigs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. I was like, uh, yeah, it's I, yeah. All okay, right. I'm sorry. I want to sleep with Jessica uh, Alba. I still do. To all right, I'll, I'll give you a moment. <laughs> what you don't want to sleep with Jessica Alba? What's wrong with you? So, so Dark Angel becomes under Mike. You want to sleep with Jessica Alba? <laughs> I, I plead the fifth on this. Right, I was going to give you a morally ambiguous character that might be interesting. How yes, about mm -hmm. Poison Ivy as an eco terrorist? You know, I could. Uh, that would be uh, less unfortunate than the Joker. Because imagine mm. specifically somebody who is so much in love, specifically about planet Earth, that she snaps and basically becomes a, a person who's helping of defending planet Earth 
no matter what. Yeah. Well, but again, it, it's fine to have these characters as antagonists in movies. But as the protagonist, I just... Again, and it, it, the, the, the worst thing that could happen with this movie is that it makes a bunch of money, which it's, which it's gonna. Yeah. And in fact, even worse, because it's gonna get... I mean, it's gonna get awards. You know, I mean, it's absolutely going to get some awards. And, would, and as much as I think that Joaquin Phoenix is deserving, I would hate to see Todd Phillips get anything for this because I, I just think it's reprehensible what he's doing in terms of Batman what, what he's fine. promoting in this movie. There's another movie being made literally right now, and it's going to be basically about the Court of Owls. So that's fine. Uh there might be do a sequel specifically for this movie, but it's going to be very self-contained. If, if you're lucky, you're going to get a Bruce Wayne who's like a teenager at most. So you get Gotham. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so. Hmm. Oh, well, you know, but see, even that, I mean, I and I was... I wasn't in favor of the whole prequel thing, you know, with Gotham. It was like, oh man, okay. Well, it's a horrible I mean, show, badly made, and what the heck? Well, no, no, you, you know, you know, my issue with Gotham, uh, you know, as I mean, and some prequels work. I mean, I think, I think they sort of made it work with Smallville. But here's Gotham should have been all about fighting mobsters. I mean, when you get to, oh, this is the guy who's going to be the Penguin. This is the guy who's going to be the Riddler. I mean, and they went to that. Well, this is the guy who's going to be the Joker, and they yeah. went to that well. Every week, because they realized, oh, somehow we have to make Gotham City interesting without Batman. And let's face it, Gotham City, why do you care about Gotham City the day before Batman shows up? Now, maybe, uh, maybe you do a movie about it, oh, the day before, and this is literally the day before Batman comes back. I could see that, but you make a series out of that? That's a dog, Like man. Metropolis. It <laughs> <laughs> actually yeah, might be That's dead. a dog. That thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's a horrible. You guys heard the concept between Metropolis, right? What they want, were trying to push. The idea that Lex Luthor and Lois Lane basically team up <laughs> in Metropolis fighting metahumans. Yeah. You know, at the longer <laughs> that these things... Because, I mean, think about it. You know, Superman, Batman have been around for like 80 years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, let's face it. Uh, the, the longer this stuff goes on, the younger people that get into making it, the more bizarre these stories are going to get. I yeah. mean, you, you know, know what breaks my heart it, before you know? we go on? We didn't get to talk about Crisis. We've been basically talking about Joker, Joker, Joker. Uh, you know, oh, well, my God, it looks so good. Too. I yeah, know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, hey, we can talk about that, like, next week. But <laughs> in, in the meantime... Uh, of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television series, and if you happen to be in the Arlington area, you can watch it tonight on Arlington Independent Media, Comcast Channel 69, Verizon Fios Channel 38, and it's 8 o'clock. And you can also visit the website at uh, www.fantasticforum.tv. And if you miss any part of the show during the week, it re-airs on Thursday afternoons at 3 p.m. right here on WERA 96.7 FM. But uh, as I said, we'll be back next week uh, because, hey, now also the Baltimore Comic-Con is next week, uh, but I'm not going uh, before the evening. So should be able to do the show. Uh, if I can get a commitment from my boys to come back, we'll talk about Crisis on Infinite Earths. But in the meantime, you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Come in again, same bat time, same bat station.